University Advancement is pleased to present a speaker to you this morning who is a fellow traveler on that journey. And he has some very important things to share with you. Please give your full attention as we welcome Mart Green. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to share this morning. Uh, I'm going to share my journey. My journey started on uh, June the 23rd, 1998. I was in Chicago at a meeting with some Bible agencies, uh, American Bible Society, International Bible Society, Wycliffe, uh, and 14 other organizations that their whole passion is to get God's Word out into people's hands. And uh, that's been my passion all the time, is to get God's Word into people's hands because I think it's the most important book ever written. And so these guys were strategizing, and gals were strategizing about North America. In our society, Bible distribution is not the big issue. You can go to a lot of countries and you can hold Bibles up and people will flock to you. But if you were to stand in the corner here uh, with Bibles in your hands, people wouldn't flock to you. 91% of the people have a Bible in their home here in North America. So they were strategizing and they said, what if we use the media to let people know the relevance of God's Word for today's world? And so that was what they strategizing by. And they called somebody. I actually work in retail. My father, when I was uh, nine years old, uh, came and said, I'll pay you seven cents for every frame that you glue. So I started gluing these frames. We sold these frames. Uh, that was a little over 30 years ago. And now uh, that developed into a company called Hobby Lobby. Uh, we have 250 stores around the country. And that's what I do by trade. I'm a retailer. Uh, my father talked about a Christian bookstore, so we've opened 17 Christian bookstores. And so that's my, my trade and what I do. But these agencies had seen that we run some full-page ads in newspapers every Easter and Christmas talking about the power of Christ. And so they, they asked Bill Hain, who's on our staff there at Hobby Lobby. As a matter of fact, both of his parents uh, graduated from this college and uh, met each other and married uh, here uh, at this college. And so uh, they asked him to come and share the power of media. And I asked, hey, Bill, you mind if I go with you? I love God's Word. I know the power of media is. What if you could put these two together? And I was supposed to go and sit in the audience just like you are today. And at the very end, right before I went, the Lord just started giving me these ideas. I'm just writing this stuff down. And so I said, Bill, do you mind if I take some of your time and just share some ideas? Because uh, he was going to share some very creative ideas, some marketing ideas. And I just wanted to give them a way that they could do the plan. So we went there. We did that. Uh, and when I got done sharing, a guy stood up and says, uh, what does it take for you to get this company started? Because I gave him a vision for a company, the whole thing. I said, uh, nothing. I'm not getting a company started. I already have, my father has a business. I have a business. I have more than enough to do. I'm not looking to do a media campaign. Plus, I have no skills in that. Um, and then another guy asked me, and I said, I'm not doing it. I have no interest in doing it. I don't know how to do it. You guys are the Bible agencies. It was your idea. It was your plan. You need to do it. And then, after a few more questions, the guy stood up and he didn't ask me to do it. He just commissioned me. He said, the Lord brought you here. You need to do this. And something in my spirit just triggered that the Lord wanted me to do it. And all of a sudden, I was in Henry Blackaby's quote. Henry Blackaby says, attempt things so great that they're doomed to failure unless God intervenes. Now, my brain doesn't think that way. I'm the math. I'm the science type of person. I like everything in a row and neat. And so I don't attempt things. But when God calls you to something, He will call you something that's bigger than yourself. And I realized in that second that that had happened in my life. So now, all of a sudden, I'm in charge of a national media campaign to make known the relevance of God's Word. Similar to the milk campaign, but on God's Word. Well, as you can imagine, the next day I got up scared to death. And so that started my journey of fasting. I said, Lord, I'm going to fast one meal a day until you send me somebody to run this company. It was called Bearing Fruit Communications because I believe all of us should bear fruit from John 15, 1 through 16. I'm the vine, you're the branch. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. God calls all of us to bear fruit. 
I said, Lord, can you send me somebody to run this company and maybe you can move it to California or whatever and I can go back and do a Mardale. Uh, they can share the vision, get up in front of people, which uh, three years ago I absolutely would not have ever been willing to do what I'm doing today, stand up in front of a group of people. It would have scared me to death. So I said, Lord, send me somebody to do that, and I can go back to doing what I'm doing. Well, after about three weeks of fasting one meal a day, I knew the Lord was going to call me to do that, that I had to share the vision, that it happened to me, the passion was in my heart. So I said, okay, Lord, if you're not going to send me somebody to get them to speak in front of people, can you send me somebody who's very creative? Because I'm not a creative person. Again, I'm the math and science side. And so I need somebody who can come up with creative uh, newspaper ads, radio ads, TV ads, and just use the media. Well, after about two months of fasting one meal a day, I got to the point that I just really wanted to eat three meals a day. Because it just got kind of tiring, you know, go every afternoon and not be able to have a pop or do anything because I was fasting lunch almost every day. I said, Lord, if you'll send me a 14-year-old boy, I'll hire him. I don't care. Just send me somebody because I'm ready to get out of this fast. <laughs> well... October 17th, it's been about four months now. The Lord still has not answered my prayer, um, but I'm determined to keep with it. I'm getting ready to get on an airplane to go overseas. I'll be on three airplanes. It'll take me 24 hours to get to Taiwan. And I just stood up to get on the plane when my name is paged over the courtesy phone. And I go to answer this phone, and it's my uh, assistant, and she calls and says, Your travel agent just called. There's a typhoon in Taiwan. Your flight from L.A. to Taiwan's been canceled. Don't get on the plane. Okay, walked up to the desk, and I said, can you see if my flight from L.A. to Taiwan's been canceled? And she said, no, it hasn't. I said, well, this is kind of strange. My travel agent just heard about a typhoon, and I have four kids and a wife. I just spent the night in Oklahoma City, then L.A., which is where I would have been stuck. And so she called, because it was another airline that had a, two different airlines were involved here. And she says, you're right, Mr. Green. Uh, there's no, your flight's been canceled. I said, I tell you what, I was only in Taiwan one day. Book me for Hong Kong tomorrow. So I go back to the airport the next day. It's, April, it's October the 18th. And I've been on this fast for four months. I've lost 25 pounds uh, in the process. And I say, uh, Lord, I don't want to start over again, but I'm getting ready to get on three planes and I'm going through the, uh, the daylight savings. And I really don't know uh, how to keep this fast. Because I, I, you know, I was legalistic enough to think I'm sure not going to start over and do four months again. And so I said, you know what, Lord, I'll just, I won't eat until I get hungry. Thinking maybe I'll make it one day for the first time in my life. I've never fasted a whole day, one day. I thought, well, I'll just fast, and when I get to Hong Kong, I'll go to sleep, I'll get up, and I'll know when night and day is and stuff. So I did that. I made it, no problem. I get over there, I get up, and I know I'm going to be starving because we're 12 time zones away, so breakfast is the dinner time, my, my favorite meal. So I get up. We have very nice hotels. I go down to breakfast. I know I'm going to be starving because I've gone a whole day without eating, and I'm not hungry. I thought, man, this is wild. Lord, I don't understand this. Go to lunch. I'm not hungry. I go to supper. I'm not hungry. Go to day two, this happens. I go to day three, and I'm just, I mean, I'm going to menus, just looking down the menu, just trying to find something that will make me hungry. Knowing that I'm not hungry. I mean, I know when I'm hungry, and I know when I'm not. Never experienced this in my life. Well, on Wednesday night, uh, I really wanted to go to church, because the Lord was doing some incredible things in my life. He was taking God's Word, my circumstances, and what my pastor was saying in the pulpit were all lining up, and I could not deny that. But I said, now, Lord, I'm halfway around the world in Hong Kong. Nobody knows me. I'm going to go to church. Can you speak to me through a speaker in Hong Kong? So on Wednesday night, we got done early. I go to this service. I get lost. I can't find it. I go down an alley, and people are fighting, and I'm scared a little bit. But I said, Lord, I really want to go to church tonight. So I finally get there, and it's a little old storefront, maybe 12 feet. And I'm going, oh, man, Wednesday night. I'm late. I'm going to stand out. I just, I just wanted to slide into a service. I walked in. I go up two flights of stairs and opened up, and there was 800. They all had their hands raised, singing a song. 
it was just an incredible moment for me because even though I knew it, to see somebody praising the Lord halfway around the world with the same word of God that I read was a powerful moment. But now I'm ready for the Lord to speak to me. Well, what I didn't realize is I thought this was a Chinese-English service, but it wasn't. It was all Chinese. And I said, Lord, it's going to be really hard to speak to me because I don't speak Chinese. So, you know, I just got my notepad and I just folded it up. And it just so happened they had some banners hanging with verses on it. I thought, well, I'll write all these verses down. Maybe, maybe there's a verse in this building. You know, I was really, you know, when you're going through this experience, you know, you don't know what's going on. You really start searching. But finally, when the speaker got up there, he happened to be a visitor, too. And he didn't speak Chinese, either. He was from Indonesia. He spoke English. So when he got up there, now I got my pad all back out and I'm ready to hear, what is this guy going to say? And twice he spoke about people fasting for 40 days. And I said, no, Lord, anything but that. Uh, I'm on this one meal a day fast until you send me somebody. And now I'm on this, I'm not going to eat till I get hungry fast, but I don't want to do a 40-day fast. I'll keep these other two because I'm a man of my word, but not 40 days. So I go home that night and that's all I could remember, 40-day fast. And I'm going, man, I've never heard anybody speak about 40-day fast. I don't even think you can do a 40-day fast. You die before you go 40 days, you know? Uh, that's just, that's not possible. So I got on my calendar out and I thought, well, I just wonder how long 40 days is. I counted 40 days. And 40 days was exactly the day before Thanksgiving. And that has a lot of significance to me because the first thing I wanted to do into Bearing Fruit was run a full-page ad the day before Thanksgiving about God's Word. Because USA Today is a national paper. It doesn't run on holidays. And that's National Bible Week. And I thought, well, Lord, that's incredible that the day before Thanksgiving is the day that I wanted to run the USA Today ad. You delayed my flight one day. A typhoon in Taiwan delayed me or it wouldn't have been the 40th day. And my family had even subsidized the money for the USA Today ad before I left for overseas. But when I called the creative people, they said, there's no way we can get it done. We have so many other projects. We cannot get your full page ad done. And before I went overseas, I was questioning God. God, the money is the hard part. I got the money. Now I can't get the creative part for this USA Today ad. And I thought, well, maybe it's for next year or the next year. But then it was so wild that the 40th day would have been uh, the day before Thanksgiving. So um, I got home. Uh, you don't tell your wife from overseas that you're not eating. It's not a wise thing to do. And so uh, I got home, and I told you I'd lost 25 pounds even before I went on this fast. In um, that week, I lost 12 more pounds. My wife hugged me when I walk in. She says, man, you feel thin. I said, well, honey, I haven't eaten since we last ate when I left. And she, oh, crying. You're going to die. Leave me with four kids. And I said, I promise, honey, I've ordered every book. I've ordered all Bill Bright's books. I've ordered every book on fasting. I'm going to read about it because that's how I get information. I'm a reader, you know. So I'm going to talking to people. I like to read to find out stuff. I got every book. And I promise you, as soon as I get hungry, I'm eating. But the weird thing is, the 40th day is the day before Thanksgiving, but I can't get the money, I can't get the ad done, so I don't think that's really what the Lord's going to have me do. Go back to work Monday morning, I get a phone call from Compass Arts, the name of the creative firm, and they said, remember that ad you asked us to do, and we said it was impossible, we couldn't do it? We've been praying this weekend, and we're going to get it done for you. And so, oh, wow. So as you can imagine, the Lord did, He sustained me. I never got hungry for 40 days. And then he released me on the 40th day, which was the day that the four-page ad started. And bearing fruit, the ministry started on the 40th day of my fast. And the lesson I learned through that was there was less of me. I wound up losing 47 pounds. I went from 177 down to 130. And that was kind of fun because I weighed 135 when I got married. My wife was always razzing me. Where's that man that I married, you know? And so one day I got to walk back into the house and said, here's the man you married, you know? (laughs) 
I don't want the man I married. Where's the man? Okay, you know, so I couldn't get that quite right. So sometimes it's just hard. Sometimes it's tough, guys. It's tough. So anyway, but the last eight days of that fast, um, the Lord had convicted me about the God's Word. I won't have time to share that testimony, but the Lord did an incredible thing for me in Guatemala about God's Word. But the last eight days of my fast, I said, you know, instead of just praying, I really want to read God's Word. Because I think you're better to listen to God first and then you speak. So you read God's Word and then you pray, okay? And so the message version is a very contemporary version of the Bible. I hadn't read it. And I said, well, i just read that. So in eight days, I read the entire New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs. So what I did is I'd underline verses. I just, I was just, it was just speaking to me so much. And I was underlining verses. And then on Thanksgiving Day, um, I'm at my parents' house. And, of course, my family knows what's going on. I mean, when you lose that much weight, it's kind of hard to hide that you're fasting. Um, and you're going to have, you don't come off a fast by gorging yourself. So everybody's eating the big meal, you know, and I'm eating a bowl of soup over here. And so uh, I took every verse and I put it that I had underlined. I got index cards out and I'd write down the page number. And I got to Matthew 5 and 3 in the message version. It says, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God in his rule. So what's the subject there? And so I just wrote down less of me. Because I said, well, when there's less of you, there's more of God. Um, plus the verse, you know, you're in your rope. The last place I want to be is at the end of my rope. I do not like being there. I'm always trying to get away from the end of the rope. But that's when we become dependent on God. And God had put me at the end of my rope. Well, by the time I got done with the New Testament, I had three index cards full of verses that set, talk about less of me. And as I said, if you'd have looked at me, there was less of me in the physical part. I almost lost 30 some odd percent of my body weight. But you know what? Even more than that, there was less of me. My desire for this world totally changed. There's nothing here for me anymore. There's nothing on this world that I really desire like I used to. It just changed because I want more of God. Luke 9 and 23 says, If any man will come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Another one that I love that goes with the lesson of me is in John 12, 24 through 26. Jesus speaking, Listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never any more than just a grain of wheat. But if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. In the same way, anyone who holds on to this life just as it is, loses that life. But if you'll let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. If any of you wants to serve me, then follow me. You'll be where I am, ready to serve at a moment's notice. When we can die to ourselves, and does it happen once? No. Did it happen that fast? Did I conquer it? No. It's every day I have to get up. Well, a year went by, and it's 40 days before Thanksgiving again. I'm in Hong Kong again, and all of a sudden, my body shuts down again. And I'm going, oh, no, we're not doing this again, are we? But I didn't get hungry. And again, the Lord took me through the 40-day fast in 1999. Uh, this time, I lost 30-some-odd pounds again. I had not been on the fast. And at that point, the Lord had, through this bearing fruit in the media campaign, it got me involved in a movie project. Now, that's kind of strange because I've never even been to the movie theater. And I'm producing a movie. That isn't, that's God's sense of humor, though. That's attempting something so great that it's doomed to failure unless God intervenes. And so I was praying provision. I've got to raise a lot of money for this project. And so I started praying, Lord, can you provide provision? I thought, this is a time of fasting. Maybe it's for the movie. I'll pray for provision. This time I thought, well, I'll just start reading God's Word from the very beginning. And so I started reading it in Genesis from the CE version. In Genesis 22, 12 through 14, talking about Abraham, it says, Don't hurt the boy or harm him in any way, the angel said, for now I know you truly obey God, for you are willing to offer him your only son. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in the bushes. 
So he took the ram and sacrificed in place of his son. Abraham named that place, the Lord will provide. And even now, people say, on the mountain the Lord will be provided. The lesson I learned in my second fast was, I don't pay for provision, I pray for obedience. I obey, God will provide. If I'll go up the mountain of obedience, the ram will come up the other side and God will provide. God won't call you something that he won't provide. Now, I'm not saying you're going to be able to see it. Faith is not opposed to... As Dallas Willard says, it's opposed to sight. God called me something, I can see it. I, can, I, mean, I, I mean, I understand it, but I can't see it. I don't see how it's going to happen. How in the world am I going to produce a movie? How am I going to do this? I have no the idea. Well, in this last year, in 2000... As you can guess, 40 days before Thanksgiving, my wife says, you're not doing this again, are you? I said, I don't think so. I don't plan on it. But it happened again. And the Lord took me. It was a water fast. The two, two fasts before, I went on juice. This last fast, this last Thanksgiving, uh, I felt the Lord call me to water only. And it was quite a different experience. Uh, and He let me off after 33 days. It wasn't a 40-day fast. Uh, and the lesson I learned there was a horrible experience for me because after about the sixth day, my mouth tasted like iron. I told people, take your car keys and suck on them for three days. That's what my mouth felt like for 30 days. And then when I came out of the fast, I actually had to go to a doctor. I started throwing up at the end. And they said, I'm going to put you on an IV if you don't quit throwing up. And I said, Lord, you wouldn't call me on a fast and then have me come off an IV. I just don't feel like that would be you. So if I have to do that, I missed it somewhere. I just didn't understand your call. And then I went home on a, on a, on a Friday night. And I said, honey, they've been giving me all this concoction to take. And I said, I just want chicken noodle soup broth. I just, she said, oh, you can't have that. You're going. I said, look, everything I'm taking in, I'm throwing up anyway. We might as well take something I enjoy. So I did that. And it was the best meal I'd ever eaten in my life. And the Lord had taught me through that. I said, Lord, why, am I, why do I have this bitter taste in my mouth all the time? And I just got a conviction in my heart that when I sin, that's what it's like to the Lord. He gets a bitter taste in his mouth. You know, I couldn't see the Lord clear, clearly because when you have this bitter taste in your mouth, you go to church, you don't hear anything. All you think about is your mouth. And so I realized, Lord, when I keep, my, when I keep that television shut on something too long, I keep my eyes too long here, just those little sins in my life, they're a bitter taste. And I really don't want to do that. I wish I could reach perfection. I can't. But I want to strive for holiness like I never have. Because when I say God hates sin, I say that so glibly. But now I really know what it means because for 30 days I had a horrible taste in my mouth. At night I'd wake up, my tongue would be stuck to the roof of my mouth. I'd almost gag. But then when I took that chicken noodle broth soup, the simplest of foods, it was the best meal I ever in my life. And I was impressed on my heart that when we obey God in the simplest of ways, He gets the same pleasure from us. And I want to do, in the simplest of things, obey God and what He has for us. Those are my fasting experiences, and I want to share a little bit about the movie, just because it kind of goes with my theme today. I told him the title of my thing was Beyond the Gates. And what I believe is there's two ways to get close to the Lord. I did a lot of research in the Bible, and you ask people, what would get you back into reading God's Word? The number one answer has to do with adversity. About a year and a half ago, tornadoes came through Oklahoma, ripped down many of the homes in Oklahoma City where I live. Church attendance was an all-time high the Sunday after that. I'm sure prayer and Bible reading were up. We know where to go when we have problems. But I said, God, you called me to your word, to fasting, but it wasn't adversity. I'm one of the most blessed people you ever meet in your life. You've done some incredible things in my life. But it was the adventure. And I'm saying, Lord, if I can get close to you two ways, adversity or adventure, I want to jump on the adventure. I want to attempt something so great that it's doomed to failure unless God intervenes. And I don't want to call myself to it. Because if I felt like I'd call myself to this movie project, I'd have quit a long time ago. Because there's been so many roadblocks that just said, it's over, quit. 
But I know God called me, and as long as God calls me, I'm going to fight until there's no fight left in me. But you have to do the same thing. You have to find God's call. Maybe you were raised in the church all your life. Maybe you have a great Christian heritage like I do. Maybe you don't have a story of adversity. I love to hear stories of adversity when people say, I overcame drugs and these different things. But you know what? He kept some of us from a young age because He has great things for us. And that's my challenge to you today, is listen to God's call for you. And the way to find it, if there's only four words you remember what I say today, it's these four words. This book is alive. There's no other book you can say that about. 2,000 years ago, this book spoke. Today it speaks. If the Lord tarries, 2,000 years from now, this book will speak. It speaks in Indiana. It speaks in Hong Kong. It speaks in Africa. This book is alive. You must know God's Word for yourself. You can't let somebody else do it for you. This is Christ. This is how you know who He is, is by reading His Word. This book is alive. And the greatest example of that, to me, was a man that I got to hear. Some of you may know a story. In 1956, five men were killed in Ecuador between the ages of 28 and 33 years old, left five widows with nine children. They had guns and could have defended themselves, but allowed themselves to be speared with nine-foot spears by a tribe in Ecuador. Two years later, Elizabeth Elliot, some of you may know that name, she wrote the book Through Gates of Splendor, and Rachel Saint, one of the men's sisters, went back and lived with the exact men who had killed their husband and, and their brother. Elizabeth Elliot stayed down for two years, came back to America, wrote Through Gates of Splendor, why it's one of the most well-known mission stories of the last hundred years. But Rachel Saint stayed, Saint stayed down there for 36 years and translated the Bible for the people who killed her brother. Now, I'm talking about no hotels, no roads, no running water, no electricity. Lived in the jungle for 36 years with the men who killed her brother. Well, when she died in 1994, Steve Saint, who was five years old when his dad was killed, went down to bury his Aunt Rachel. And they challenged him and said, Steve, your dad's buried here. Your Aunt Rachel's buried here. Now it's your turn to come. And she says, no, 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 I'm a businessman. I, there's nothing I can do for you. You've got two kids in college and two in high school. It's a long story, but that's exactly what Steve did. He wound up moving his family to Ecuador with a chainsaw, cutting down trees in the virgin jungle and living with the very man who killed his dad. And what he watched happen was his kids got so attached to this one man that they call him Grandpa. And that man, in fact, killed their grandfather. So it's an incredible story of reconciliation and forgiveness. And so the, the purpose of the movie, and we've got a short clip that we're going to show you here uh, of the movie, is the reconciliation story. It's not the before story. The obedience story is a great story, the five missionaries. But I want to know what happened to the six guys who killed the five. What happened to those six? And so the movie is called Beyond the Gates of Splendor. And it is my challenge for you today to go beyond the gates, out of your comfort zone. Let God call you to a place that you have to trust in Him. The footage you'll see here is actual footage that Nate Saint took in 1956. This is real footage that you see. And then the current footage, which you'll be able to tell the difference, is footage that we took in October of last year. Uh, to get the rights to do the movie, Steve wouldn't give them to me. Steve Saint, he made me go ask the, the three men who killed his dad uh, for permission in the jungle and stuff. So uh, I'm going to show this movie clip, and then I'll be turning it back over to Gary. Thank you. What a tremendous challenge we have received from the Lord this morning uh, through this vessel of God, this servant of God. And my prayer now, uh, as I reflect on what has been shown and what has been discussed this morning for me personally, is that, Lord, what is it that you want to do in my life as a result of this? Because I don't think we can just walk away from here and say, that was nice. I would think that the power of God is so real in this place this morning that we have to go away more than just challenged, but we have to go away thinking, how do I need to change?
And so, Father, we do come to you now and ask that you would bring about change in our lives, that we would see a bigger picture of what we can do on your behalf, not because of who we are or what you've made us, but, ha but as Mart has indicated, it's what you can and want to do through us by way of your spirit and the work of Christ. Father, enlarge our vision. Enlarge our desire to draw closer to you. And then, Father, help us to accept the challenge of moving beyond ourselves to do greater things, as Jesus promised, greater things than he did. Be with us now. Haunt us with the truths that we've realized today. And let us not escape them, but make them a part of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.